Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Blue, White and Yellow podcast from Leeds United Live, giving you the in-depth analysis on all the big talking points from Ellen Road. Hello, welcome back to the third episode of the Blue, White and Yellow, your dedicated Leeds United podcast, courtesy of your Leeds Live reporters. Uh, I'm Joe Donoghue, standing in once more for Connor McGilligan, your usual Blue, White and Yellow host. Um, what's in the news? Well, contracts expiring at Leeds, uh, England through to the quarters, uh, in no small part due to Calvin Phillips's contribution at Wembley. Uh, next stop, Rome and the Stadio Olimpico to face the mighty Ukraine, who waited 121 minutes to deliver that hammer blow against Sweden at Hampden Park. Um, Euro 2020, understandably dominating the agenda at the moment, but there's plenty going on or about to happen at Elland Road and Thorpe Arch in the coming days and weeks. Um, with me to discuss it, as usual, is Leeds United editor Joe Mewis, as well as our very own Chris Kamara, uh, the man on location, Baron Cross. Gents, how are we? Yeah, very good, thanks. Very good. It's uh, It's been a, well, given the time we're recording, it's it's been a pretty good 24 hours or so, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been great here. Um, I'm still buzzing from from yesterday's big sports story, which was of course Leeds United fan Mark Cavendish winning uh, stage four of the Tour de France. Is he a Leeds uh, fan? That's yeah, brilliant. yeah, yeah. If oh, you uh, love that. if you have a dig on Twitter, you'll you'll see pictures of him when he was was growing oh, up in a Leeds shirt. I think that's his just uh, made it even better for me. Yeah, I think his mum was from Harrogate. So um, when that. they had the when they had the Grand Depart back in here in um, in 2014, yeah, that was that was great until he fell over outside Betty's and. <laughs> Yeah, great, great to see Cav uh, doing that. But um, and yeah, that was a nice little warm up, wasn't it, for uh, for what was to follow at Wembley. Yeah, absolutely fantastic scenes there at, at Wembley Stadium. 40,000, which, I mean, it seemed like 400,000 based on how many people have been allowed in stadiums previously, didn't it? Um, I think, you know, the scenes at the end, I think we saw Calvin Phillips' his, his, his mum uh, there as well. So, you know, holding up a, a Calvin Phillips flag. I mean, it's it's fairy tale stuff, isn't it? Yeah, um, the story just continues, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's just going great, isn't it? I think... Um, I was really touched by the stuff that Southgate was saying after the game as well. I think um, he's just, whatever you think about his tactics and his footballing philosophy, he's just such an eloquent, gentle, polite man. Um, proper traditional guy, isn't it? Anybody that read his uh, his coach's voice piece will, will will know exactly what it means to be the England head coach for him and, and his relationship with his granddad. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just nice to see a bunch of great people doing well and, and uniting the country. Um after such a rotten period, it's been it's been brilliant, hasn't it, to see them deliver the results they have. You know, they've not they've, they've hardly been sort of in fifth gear, you know, since um, since day one. But they turned it when they needed to yesterday, and um, obviously you two were watching, and you'll know that obviously Guy Mowbray and uh, Genus had basically just written the game off, hadn't they? Just before Sterling had, had scored, they'd said, you know, the spark had gone out, and I was on the verge of um, of tweeting, you know, how miserable a game it had become, and um, clearly it was the commentator's curse, and, and in the end. Barring Muller's one-on-one, which I absolutely backed him ninety-nine times out of hundred to finish, it was quite comfortable, wasn't it? Yeah, that that Muller um, miss. I mean, time stood still, didn't it? I, I felt like I was sat there 
watching, looked at my watch three times by the, in the amount of time it took him to to get the ball, come down on goal, and you know he doesn't miss chances like that. What's 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 he playing at missing that? If you if you were German, you'd be absolutely gutted. But um, yeah, I, I was I was also just getting a bit worried. It's like this is you know everyone who has been criticising Gareth Southgate, you know, for sort of these you know lower octane, dull, more defensively mind performances. That argument was coming to the fore again, wasn't it? But you know, he showed that he has a plan. He sticks to it, um, and it and it paid off because uh, certainly, you know, after after the first goal went in, they they found a bit of swagger, didn't they? England, they were they were looking good, um, and yeah, it's really nice to see Southgate's um, faith in you know sort of Phillips and Rice paid off there, um, and it, and it's all looking very exciting now. Um, I mean, on an old Calvin Phillips note as well, it's. It's just great. The um, you said fairy tale, didn't you, Baron? It's that's that's exactly what it is. We we all know Calvin very well from you know covering Leeds and everything. Um, fantastic to see, and you know this this story is going to keep going now. It's um, all eyes on Saturday night, really. And what what a stage to to be playing the quarterfinal on. I know Wembley's obviously a special stadium, but the Olympico, you know, all the the connotations around Italia ninety and whatnot, and and um, and and England now going there. I know it's not Italy that they're they're, they're playing, but Ukraine, mighty Ukraine, one hundred and twenty first minute jammy extra time, probably didn't deserve to get through the group stage. Ukraine, um, the favourable side of the draws we discussed on the last episode. I mean, now that Germany are sort of have been put paid to, then. You know, you've you've got to back England making it all the way back to Wembley for the semis in the final, haven't you? Yeah, it certainly feels that way, doesn't it? I think um, it, the narrative is irresistible. Um, we are, of course, always going to try and look for um, for the routes to the final and try and work out whether this is going to be England's year. And it was a bit like when we were all kind of thinking that Hungary were going to be our our, um, our round of sixteen opponents when they uh, when they were edging Germany in the group stages, and you kind of just think that it's so England to lose to Hungary, isn't it? And uh, much in the same way, it'd be so England to lose to. Ukraine, who who barely made it out of their group. I mean, they really were the the, the, the 16th ranked team to qualify, and yet they've they've done group winners Sweden. Um, Leeds Live Ultras will be aware of Nesta Watach um, from a previous life on the website. Um, one of our close confidants. He's got a big boot in the Ukraine camp. He was up at Hamden Park yesterday, I think. Um, so got a bit of a soft spot for Ukraine and, and for, for his allegiances there. But um, it does feel like it's opening up, doesn't it? Because even beyond that, you've got the Czechs and the Danes. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm already looking at, at the final, to be honest, if I'm being brutally honest, and who we're going to play, because I know people are saying it's coming home, but where do you stand on Italy and Belgium as well? Because they do scare me. Yeah, um, Italy especially. I, th- I think they've been, um, you know, certainly the group stage, they, they were a class above, weren't they? Uh, Belgium, we just you, know, you just look at the players they've got. They've got proper match winners, don't they? And, you know, you could argue that England do. Um, Grealish is someone who can can change a game. Um, what I was going to say is, look at, looking at the the Ukraine match last night um, from an England point of view, it was great to see them struggling through extra time. You know, taking 121 minutes to to, to win a game that you know their players looked absolutely shattered, didn't they? Um, which selfishly, from an England point of view, sort of bodes well for for the quick turnaround because what we now we're Wednesday and they've only got till. Um, till Saturday night and they've got to travel to, to Rome. So, yeah, I thought that was encouraging if we're going to sort of continue to build up this. England are definitely going to win the tournament line. Um, yeah, that gives us a quick boost, I think. 
there were so many fouls, so many stoppages, just all the players on either side, Sweden versus Ukraine, they were just on the floor constantly. It, it was actually quite an entertaining game up until the 75 minute mark, probably the exact opposite of the England-Germany match. Um, and then it just it just died a dismal death, didn't it? I mean, I don't know if anybody who's listening to this watched the game, but I mean, Jonathan Pierce was commentating on the BBC uh, and it, I think it was a it was a homage to his, his time as the host of Robot Wars because it was it was just a complete war of attrition. The two, I mean, the two teams just going at each other, um, and at the end of it, they were just absolutely exhausted. Which is why I was really really surprised that it didn't go to penalties because for the last half an hour, forty five minutes of that of that game, which felt a lot longer, it it, it seemed like penalties was the only way that was going to separate them. I think a lot of us felt robbed last night, didn't we? Um, yeah, we were all we were all sticking there for the penalties, and and I was a little bit frustrated that they knocked it in <laughs> so late. I know that that's that's something that the Ukraine fans will never forget, but I did feel a little bit aggrieved that we didn't get our shootout because it's obviously what we all live for. And we'd enjoyed the uh, the French Switzerland one so much the other night, um, but yeah, I, I think you go around in circles on this, but yeah, I think it, it does seem to be set up quite nicely for England now. Um, and yeah, Calvin, if you want to talk about Calvin a bit more, I think another really, really good performance uh, against Germany. I think uh, it was one of those games where I, I couldn't really pick out a bad performance. I mean, Kane, I mean, Kane, yeah, he's not having a great tournament, is he? I mean, we don't have to get properly deep into the tactics here and how you get the best out of your striker, but um, his price has definitely nosedived since his tournament started, if anybody's looking at him. Um, but apart from him, Saka, Saka, I mean, he'd set such a high bar in the previous game. Saka did disappoint me a little bit. Um, only because he had set such a high bar, but um, but everybody else, I think, did their job really, really well. You know, I think clearly Sterling and Pickford took a lot of the headlines. Pickford incredibly calm. I mean, complete opposite to Joe Hart, who I think you know in previous tournaments almost was getting too g'd up. You know, he seemed like almost banging the tunnel before he was coming out. You know, roaring out the the national anthem, which which is all well and good for us down the pub to get patriotic, but you know, he's he's got a goal to keep. Um, so yeah, Pickford and Sterling, but you know, yeah, Phillips Rice. Thankfully, Sterling did deliver those brilliant quotes after the game about the midfielders, and of course, they played with yellow cards for a lot of the game. And you guys will be the same. There was a few tackles. I mean, when Phillips, um, his boot was it, wasn't it? And he caught yeah. Cruz. I thought, oh my god, please don't go because Joe, um, Joe D. For those people that are listening, Joe was working, and I was thinking, oh, we're all going to get pulled in here. Like we're all get pulled <laughs> into shift because if he gets sent off, we are going to have to turn around so much content and copy on the fact that. Phillips is following this David Beckham World Cup 98 arc um, with his red card and, and forthcoming redemption. But um, yeah, and then the defenders, you know, Kai Walker, Maguire, Stones, brilliant. It went right under the radar, but Walker was brilliant, I thought. Really, his pace just got them, just gave you that bit of reassurance, didn't it? Yeah, just got them far enough up the pitch. And um, I didn't even make the link between the, the David Beckham arc. So it's probably a good job that that didn't happen because I would not have made that. I could that see the headline there. already, mate. I could see the headline as he as he made the tackle. <laughs> just being booed off by 40,000. That's the only thing I think with this, with this tournament. You, you're just petrified that something horrendous will happen, won't it? Like, yeah, the red card, the missed penalty, the injury or something. But uh, so far, so good, isn't it? Well, there's been one in every tournament, hasn't there? When you think back, it's like the Rooney 2004... With the was it a metatarsal and then Michael yeah. Owen two thousand and six penalty shootouts galore the 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 goal that never was against Germany in twenty ten Iceland twenty sixteen uh, I forget what two thousand and fourteen was but there always has been one for the past twenty twenty five <laughs> years I mean even further than that the you know uh, the with Southgate in ninety six and whatnot so there's always been yeah the 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 narrative is kind of hanging over hanging over England but um, obviously Ukraine next Calvin Phillips. 
you know, dominating that that agenda. But th- there are two other Leeds players left in the tournament. Um, Robin Cock obviously was knocked out yesterday, despite not spending any uh, any time on the pitch uh, at, at the Euros. But Diego Llorente, another one who has been resigned to the bench throughout this <coughs> tournament, is through uh, with Spain. Um, and Spain, they are playing Switzerland in uh, the quarterfinal. Um, so I think that we, given that teams rarely change unless it's for suspensions or injuries at this point in a, in a tournament, you know, t- Luis Enrique is probably going to stick with the the, the centre-halves that he's he's gone with so far, which has been uh, Aymeric Laporte, uh, Pau Torres and, and Eric Garcia. So I'm not so sure we'll see too much of Llorente, but hey, it's going to be a great experience for him getting uh, getting all this way, similar to, to Calvin, but obviously not on the pitch. Yeah, if you're being if you're being pessimistic, I suppose it's it's just eating away from pre-season time, isn't it? Because um, you know, Lorente could probably do with a full Bielsa pre-season, considering I don't think they they signed him till middle of September, was it last year? Um, so from a purely selfish Leeds United first point of view, it's a bit of a shame if he's going to get there and, and not even get anywhere near the pitch. Um, I don't think he was even on the bench, was he, for their for their um, win the other night? Um, and then yeah, same with Koch as well. He's he's not featured, but he should be back slightly earlier. Um, and yeah, and then I guess you, it's uh, we're going to have to wait and see when Phillips gets back, aren't we? That's that's the only uh, sort of wrinkle on it, isn't it? Is that um, Calvin's really not going to have much of a pre-season if England keep going on. Yeah, it's um, it's quite quite a selfish way, isn't it? That we kind of think, you know, why, why isn't Llorente playing? Why isn't Robin Cock playing? There are players you want to see them play. But, you know, when you actually look at it um, from a, you know, a detached point of view, you can absolutely understand that Clearly, Spain have got a particular team, and Urente is not in it. So it's, it's yeah, like like Joe says, it, it's very very unlikely we're going to see Urente play in this tournament, barring um, some sort of injury crisis for them, which is a bit of a shame. But it's just the state of play, and, and yeah, selfishly is eating into preseason time. And I haven't really thought about that, but Urente probably a bit like Rodrigo and, and Rafinha really probably does need that full preseason, um, given the injury issues he's had, and thankfully a person put behind him. But yeah, I mean, however long. Uh, however long they however deep they go into the tournament they are you know Phillips Urente they are going to need you know a good two week rest because they basically haven't stopped since West Brom have they so they will need to have a proper reset and, and thankfully Bielsa will know that you know I think the the vast majority of the team so we're recording on Wednesday the bulk of the squad will report for for pre-season testing on the Thursday um and I think the likes of Cooper and Click Roberts they've obviously already been binned out of the the Euros but that they will they will get some more time. You know, they're not going to be reporting back on the same day as everybody else. So Calvin and then Diego will will be a bit later. And, and Robin, of course, dumped out last night. He will he will now take a couple of weeks. But um I think they all should be in place at least by I mean we're expecting more friendlies than they currently are, but um long before, you know, the Manchester United game, you know, I think there's there's no threat that Urente and Phillips wouldn't be ready for that. Yeah, um, I mean that's sort of looking ahead to, to preseason and, and to next season, um, and f- for obvious reasons, I think a lot of people uh, their minds are at least before the England game was were definitely strained towards transfers and whatnot. Um, there's obviously been uh, some developments uh, at least in Spain um, since the last time we recorded, uh, and obviously today being the, the day we record being uh, the last day that uh, contracts are valid for those who expire in June 2021. Then um, I think there's a, a fair bit for, for us to sink our teeth into there. Yeah, um, it definitely feels like a bit of a watershed day, doesn't it? I think today and tomorrow, the thirtieth and the the first of July, they are big dates in the in the summer transfer window. Um, Alioski, of course, is is the headline. Um, does officially end his his tenure as a Legion United player today. So, uh, 
Joe and I discussed this on, on one of our Facebook live videos, which which you guys can find um, through Leeds United Live over on the, that social network, that Alioski will certainly be in talks with other clubs and he's still open to, well, I suppose we could say returning to Leeds now rather than staying at Leeds. But I, I do wonder if with the 1st of July does come announcements and news. You know, I think um, I've been reading a bit of the stuff around, around Pablo Hernandez over in Spain. Of course, he's another name that, you know, his contract doesn't really expire, but he's technically being released from the final year of his deal. And um, he, of course, is, is is banging the drum a little bit in Spain to try and see what's out there. And I think he actually said sort of through translation that there's various sort of restrictions on when things can be announced. And I think if and when he does decide on things, it wouldn't have been announced before the 1st of July anyway. So we may well even get some Pablo news um, between now and the next podcast. Um it, I, I didn't realise until I read the piece that Castellon sadly were relegated, which is just so, so unlucky because that was just such a perfect way for him to get, you know, the next couple of years out. I, I still think he was saying that he still maintained that, you know, believe me, before I really, really do retire, I will play for Castellon, whatever level they're at. But I think whilst he has still got maybe a year or two where he can still mix it, he doesn't quite want to drop down to the Spanish third division for obvious reasons. So, I think he, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he does maybe find a, a lower, maybe a bottom half La Liga side. You know, I think we all, I don't think any of us would dispute that La Liga's of a, a lower level than the Prem, um, generally, you know, below the, the top few teams. And I think he showed in that in that West Brom game, didn't he? Whilst it was virtually an exhibition match, he was very, very good. You know, he was really, really good. He had that extra half a second on the ball and he really ran the game at times. So um, some news on, on him would come. I think Berardi is obviously not hanging his boots up yet either. Uh, he, he of course, ends his time as a Leeds United player today as well. Uh, Barry Douglas has already been on the record with a couple of interviews talking about his time at Leeds. So, um, I mean, there was talk about Brescia for him and this Chilino link. But, you know, I think if you look at what he said in these interviews, you know, I think he's very much looking at staying in the UK. I don't think it would fit with his young family. So I think he has said it would be much harder to go abroad now, um, given that he has been somebody who's had, who's had no fear about going abroad in the past in Poland and Turkey. Um so yeah, I mean they're they're the, the big names that will officially end today. I mean, th- don't forget Wasim Boy. Yeah, I was going to ask Baron if uh, if you know where Wasim Boy's going next um, to the beach. <laughs> to the beach. He's uh, he's usually in Dubai, isn't he? On his um, on his Instagram stories. He's been very uh, very public on Instagram, hasn't he? Look, look, yeah. look at me, I'm working. I, I can't exercise. I'm in shape. Yeah, I mean, come and get I don't me. Know. It, it begs to belief to think that you can just take you know two years off and, and get another club, but but we'll, we'll see with him. Um, I mean, yeah, it's going to be it's a bit of a shame to see Barry Douglas go. Um, always liked Barry Douglas. I know injuries and, and everything kind of means he didn't perhaps have the impact he would have wanted, but he was a really good sort of solid player on the squad, really well liked, wasn't he? Um, obviously, we saw Pablo and Berardi both get their, their send-offs last month. Um, and, and I think out of the other players that are going, um, Douglas is the one who's kind of slipping under the radar a bit, isn't he? You know, he's obviously been out, was out all last season on Blackburn. So he hasn't had a chance to, for a proper goodbye. So, yeah, it's a bit, bit of a shame to, to see him go under the radar. But, yeah, I think he's he's still got plenty to give, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, you, you forget how good he was at um, at Wolves before before he, he mm. signed. And, you know, he, when he was coming into Leeds, I think a lot of people were looking at him thinking, well, actually, you know, this is this could be a real, real sort of masterstroke of a of a signing here. Um, but obviously didn't didn't kick on in the same way due to whatever, you know, injuries and whatnot. And 
And it, it is a little bit of a shame. I think the one for me is that, you know, obviously Gianni got um, got sort of a little a little tribute from Victor Orta at the, the end of season awards, um, sort of instead of the, the, the send-off that, that Berardi and, and Pablo got because it was still very much up in the air. But now with with that sort of, I mean, with his future sort of indetermined, um, not determined yet, uh, then I think... I feel a little bit shortchanged because, you know, Alioski has been, he played 36 games this past season in the Premier League in a year where Leeds finished in the top half and was was a, a, an, an integral member of the squad, um, whether it was just a bit of tunnel shaking at Barnsley or, or, um, or you know, getting photo bombing, camera bombing, just doing stuff like that, something that really endeared him to the supporters. Um, you know, sometimes you need that. You need that personality, that, that little bit of crazy, that little bit of zany around the squad. Um, perhaps not in the in the Pontus Janssen mould, but in the the more harmless Gianni Alioski mould. Um, but I feel a little bit shortchanged that he he didn't get his um he didn't get his, his send off. Um, but I mean, hey, as as Baron was saying, you know, it's it's still up in the air. You know, he could technically, I mean, he leaves the club um, in like today, uh, but he could technically then rejoin if he if the if the contract offer remains on the table. So um it's yeah, very much up in the air. And I think we'll we'll get a resolution on, on that or some some news over if he's gonna join a club um elsewhere, probably abroad, uh, in, in the next few days, I'd imagine. Yeah, I think I mean Alioski might feel shortchanged himself as well, to be honest. Um if he if he does decide to move on. Uh, I think we'll have to go we've just got to wait and see now. You know, I think Auto said it himself at the end of season awards, you know, we don't know what's gonna happen. We still don't know. Euros have of course put put um put an obstruction between between Gianni and and some kind of resolution but um, he's got some clear space now to try and make a decision for himself and, and and crucially for his family there will be financial incentives for for going elsewhere so he's got to weigh up exactly what he wants but um, you know we've done pieces on the website you know reasons why he would want to stay Premier League fans Bielsa um being on the, the biggest stage in world club football um there's a lot of reasons to stay um so you've got to wonder who's giving him the advice and, and what their motives are. Um, so I'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, but in terms of incomings, there's been a little bit of movement since since the last podcast. Uh, the, the one bit of news is Amari Miller, 18-year-old winger from Birmingham City, and he looks every one of his 18 years in the pictures, um, an absolute child and quite easy to kind of get carried away and say that they're going to be the next big thing and they should be starting for the first team. But... He'll go into the 23s with Mark Jackson and uh, he will he will ply his trade and, and learn his ways under Bielsa. Um, by all, I mean, again, we've discussed this earlier in the week on Facebook, but you know, it, it absolutely fits with the current recruitment model at that level. And you can see why they're going after a lot of the, the best young talent in the country. And I'd imagine he will now go in and compete with the likes of Somerville. And it could well spell maybe a full stop for a few of the slightly older, older players in the 23s setup. Yeah, I think it's it's exciting. I think we're going to see some good um, good recruitment there again, aren't we? It's um, as you said, Baron. Some of the some of the older players there, some of the ones that were bought in last season, um, did do well. You know, all obviously there's a lot of excitement around the likes of Joe Gelhard, Sam Greenwood, um, and you know, I, I think pr- probably first and foremost for their development, will be playing in the in the top division of the uh, the Premier League two after they won the promotion this year. It's it's going to be a lot harder competition because they they were frankly too good um, for their for their level last year. Um, I think you'll all agree. You know they ended up strolling to the league title there. Um, whereas this season now they're going to come up against the really sort of the, the juggernaut youth academies. You know the, the 
Manchester City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester United, ones that throw a lot of money um, and have massive squads, uh, really good facilities. So, uh, you know, whether or not they all do get chucked into the first team yet or or they just try and continue this sort of steady upward trajectory um, will remain to be seen. But yeah, um, but yeah, Miller, he certainly does look like um, an exciting prospect and there'll be more to come. There's been a few names um, knocking around. There's been a few defenders who have linked. Um, so I think we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, but I suppose aside from that, the other, the big transfer news, which I'm, I'm quite impressed we've managed to get this far without talking about it yet, is um, that of Junior Firpo, the uh, the Barcelona left back, who um, the links have started to get very strong uh, over the last few days. He um, first sort of came on the radar this weekend. There's been plenty of reports in Spain. These these reports are, um, are certainly more advanced um, in terms of where the deal's at than, than what we're getting this end. Um I mean, Baron, I know you wrote a piece, didn't you, um, the other day on the website, sort of with the latest from the Leeds United end? Yeah, so um, Furpo was a name that, that none of us were really across at all, to be honest. And um, as I said earlier in the week with um, with Joe D, once you hear the name and, and, and hear the details behind it, it kind of all just makes a lot of sense and, and amazing that the name hadn't come out sooner. But uh, Mundo Deportivo, uh, Spanish daily newspaper, ran it on uh, on Saturday that, that Firpo was interesting in Leeds and Leeds had basically come in at the 11th hour with AC Milan pretty much set to land this this left-back who was born in the Dominican Republic and, and came over to Spain at the age of six and then ultimately worked through the Real Batiste uh, setup under Kike Setien. Um, and, and he got to such a level that where Barcelona couldn't ignore him, basically. And he, and he moved in the, the summer of 2019 um, moved over as the understudy to Jordi Alba. And I think from what I've read, it sounds like everybody kind of thought he would put a bit more pressure on Alba, but it just sounds like it hasn't happened, uh, as as can be the case for some players at some clubs. Um, Setien ultimately followed him to Barcelona. And, and as any European football lovers will know, Setien didn't last a great deal of time there either. So it does seem like his time at the new Camp is over. The reports in, in Spain, as I say, began on Saturday and would suggest that yeah, I mean, I think by Monday morning over there, they were saying it's pretty much done verbally. You know, pretty much everything's in place in principle without the paperwork being dealt with. Of course, then all the Leeds fans were all over the flight trackers. There was various private planes flying in from from Barcelona to random private airfields near Thorpe Arch. But um, yeah, I mean, as of, you know, it's Wednesday the 30th today. Um, as we understand it, they're in a bit of a holding pattern at the moment. Leeds are quietly confident cautiously optimistic I think is the words I've been using um, and I think they are still working more to a sort of a time frame which would hopefully see some kind of resolution by the end of the week which would then of course give Furpo time to get into to pre-season sort of no later than the middle of next week perhaps I know that um, the players have got Thursday and Friday this week for the initial testing that they do you know we've, we've all seen the videos of you know the indoor stuff they do the little jumps the sprints all that kind of boring stuff weight tests that kind of thing and I think they got on the grass with Marcelo on Monday. So um, if Firpo can get done by the weekend, then and that is going to be very good for him and for the squad. Um, but as I say, Leeds have been burnt in the past. As we we all well know, Dan James is, is the classic example. Cuisance is a more recent example, a player who got as far as as West Yorkshire tarmac before things began to, to fall away. So, you know, they're they're never going to say it's done until he's signing a until he's holding a lead shirt in the um, in the Jack Charlton stand. So we will wait and see. But um, yeah, 
cautiously optimistic is what I would say. And I'm sure Joe D can fill us in a bit more on the, on the type of left back he is, but it does seem on a very broad sense, a very exciting move. Yeah, in terms of, I mean, in terms of style, it's one that, uh, I mean, he, he's, an, he's an exciting player. He's an attacking, an attack-minded fullback first and foremost. Um, and he does offer something of a goal threat. You know, you can expect him to go around the sides of, of Jack Harrison um, down that left-hand side because he does he does like getting to the byline, cutting the ball back uh, quite low across the floor. Um, and he's, he made he made a, a habit of doing so under Setien at, um, at Real Batiste because Setien's style, as Baron was saying, for anybody who's familiar with European football, Setien's style was never going to work at Barcelona because the, the stature of the club uh, just it, it requires a bit of conservativeness, I think. Um, that you know, you 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 your arbiters of control at Barcelona at, at Camp Nou, whereas with Setien, it's very much organised chaos and at times just pure chaos. Um, so a player like Firpo, who uh, who was you know very very talented in an attacking sense, um, that was always going to thrive in a system like that, and um, I think that's a reflection of perhaps why Jordi Alba has been preferred through the the tenures of Ernesto Valverde, uh, Ronald Koeman. Um, you know, following uh, Setien uh, at, at Barcelona. Um, and just in terms of the, you know, the, there was a fee suggested by the Spanish Spanish press. And, and while we, we understand that that's obviously not uh, not, not concrete as of yet. Um, I think we, Baron and I were, were discussing this on Facebook uh, the other day. It was that you know Leeds have made it their their business over the past twelve to eighteen months of um, of uh, of trying to to target players who perhaps are valued a little bit less than they have been in the past. So you know they're they're looking at players who are who could quite easily be be seen as twenty million plus, uh, whereas at the moment they are valued at a little bit less and they're targeting targeting them for that price and. Uh, Junior is is one of those because it's it's common knowledge that he he wants out of of Barcelona. He wants to play football. He knows he's not going to get his opportunity there. Um, and and Leeds United lead, need a left back, which um, you know brings me to the next point, which is that you know AC Milan were were another club who were reportedly interested in um, in in his services, um, according to the to the same Spanish sources, being you know, Mundo Deportivo and and Diario Sports, who uh, particularly the latter is quite reliable with Barcelona news. Um, the fact that Leeds appear to have moved it sort of ahead in the pecking order of, of the clubs that, that want him uh, ahead of a club like AC Milan, who have Champions League football once more this season, is probably to do with the fact that that Teo Hernandez, who has, has had a fantastic year in, in Milan, uh, would without doubt be ahead of him. So it would be, you know, Firpo would go, it would be a sidestep if he went to Milan. Yes, he'd probably earn more, but he he's going to play more if he, if he ultimately ends up signing for Leeds. And I think that's probably a good sign um, for, for a player that, you know, Vic, Victor Orta is going to be looking at the, the characters and the personalities of the, the players that, that Leeds bring in this summer. And one who is very, very happy to sit on the bench and be an understudy and whatnot is, is probably not the mentality that you need to play for this Leeds team. You know, you want to be fighting for your place at every opportunity. Um, and, and Junior, I think, is, is a player who, in every interview that I've read in the past few days of his, uh, in, in the past from previous years when he was at Betis and, and also when he joined Barcelona, it's, it, it, it smacks of a player who's very, very hungry, very ambitious, very keen. Um, and I think that, yeah, if he, if he does ultimately end up signing for Leeds, I think it, it could definitely be, be an exciting signing because I'm, I, I'm sure I speak for, for both of you guys as well, but he's certainly not 
the the unnamed player that we thought it would have been because I, I don't think we were thinking that that Leeds were going to be operating in in the same the same markets that Barcelona are selling in. So it's um it's an exciting an exciting link to say the least. And um I, I think that over the next few days, hopefully we can we can bring some positive news on that. Yeah, I think as well. It's also good to highlight um, probably the role that that Victor Orta has in convincing him to uh, to come to a club like Leeds. Um, obviously, your sales pitch is made quite a bit easier when you can say, "Come and work for Marcelo Bielsa." Look what he's taken these mid-table Championship players to doing. But um, I'd, I'd, I mean, I'd really love to be sort of get the full Victor Orta sales pitch, wouldn't you? To have to have him come in with his dossier, with his videos and everything, because it sounds like. When Leeds do go after a player, when they when they make their pitch, um, it sounds you know in typical Bielsa style. You know every every box is ticked, every every i is dotted, every t is crossed. Um, you know I think um, the the Eddie and Ketia dossier was um, was spoken about quite a lot when Leeds managed to get him because again it was um, a pretty ambitious signing. I think uh, Nketiah had bigger teams after him, for, obviously on loan from Arsenal back in the day and. The, the yeah the sales pitch that Auto was able to put together was was ultimately what um, what it won him over. So you know if he's obviously gone in, he has appealed to um, to, to Junior's you know sort of ambitious nature. Um, you know it's it's you know rather than just follow the money, take the pay packet, perhaps sit on the bench. You know they've they have identified a, a character who does want to better himself. And I think from what we've seen of three years of Marcelo Bielsa, we know that. There are a few better managers out there that that make you into a better player, aren't there? It'd be fascinating to sit in in one of those those Victor Orta come and sign for us into um, sort of one on ones, wouldn't it? You know, the the mm-hmm. just the passion that he speaks with uh, in in normal uh, normal circumstances to to actually experience, you know, the the, the persuasiveness of him would be would be mm-hmm. quite something, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think um, he's yeah, he's more than proved his worth, hasn't he? In recent in recent transfer windows, he's. He's worked miracles with some of the deals that he's done, uh, and clearly he's able to turn players' heads. You know, he's able to ease any of their concerns. And you know, we discussed it earlier in the week about Amari Miller. Clearly, you have to convince more than just a, a very young player in that instance. You've got to talk to his family. You've got to put their fears at ease. Um, and he's he's clearly in tune with what with what players um, need to hear and, and the reassurances they need and the, pro- the kind of project that they want to actually work with. And and like Joe says, it, it is. Yeah, it, it does make it infinitely easier when you can say, this is Marcelo Bielsa. This is what Stuart Dallas used to be. This is why he's going to win the Ballon d'Or in 2023. Um, it does it does make it that little bit easier. So, yeah, we will have to see. But it, it does look very promising. It does seem to fit with with much of what they have done in recent windows. And and if the price is correct, I think you know, the, the Spanish are reporting it at around 15 million euros. That's a lot cheaper than what it looks like uh, Brest are trying to flog Roman Perot for, which again kind of fits with the narrative of they basically didn't fancy Perot at the price that um, that Brest were quoting. Um, I mean, he need look no further than Jack Harrison, really, in terms of players that have improved and, and have shown immense potential. And it looks like Harrison will be somebody else that will finally get done in the coming days. I mean, by the time you're listening to this, he might he might have already been confirmed. But um, was asked this earlier in the week, actually, on one of the Q and As we run on on Leeds Live. All you've got to do is, is is come onto the website and if you provide your email address, you can send some questions in and we'll do our best to kind of put those right for you. And a few people were saying, is it an obligation or an option to buy? And the truth is, I don't know, to be honest. Um, not that it really matters. I think the way it was kind of phrased was that we kind of expected him to sign his permanent deal last summer. 
that we were told, you know, that's being postponed by a year. Um, but yeah, believe me, he will become a permanent player in 12 months time. So we've kind of just kind of taken that as gospel really without knowing if it is a, an obligation or an option. But I'm sure City and Leeds must have left themselves some leeway in terms of maybe deferring it even further or getting out of it somehow. But either way, there's been no need for that. He's been a, it's been a yet another very, very encouraging season for a player who is incredibly durable. Um, and availability is is kind of, you know, that's the first requirement as a professional footballer, isn't it? You, know, you, you can be as brilliant as you want to be, but if you're not available, then what good is it to anybody? Um, and Jack Harrison is pretty much always available, isn't he? And he does he does frustrate at times. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say he's he's tremendous and he's the left-sided version of Rafinha. You know, he's a very frustrating player at times, but... He's still so young and there is still so much potential to work there with that he does have those those mental and physical attributes to become an absolute machine. You know, he he does work incredibly hard. You know, we will have already seen his his workout videos over in California uh, on Instagram, uh, his pre-preseason, as as many professional footballers do undertake now. So he, he's got all the ingredients to become a brilliant, brilliant player for Leeds. And I think it's a very sensible bit of business. Just going back to what you were saying about, you know, Stuart Dallas is the clearest example, you know, Jack Harrison, uh, Calvin Phillips, you know, as, 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 as the examples that Marcelo Bielsa has been able to improve them. Um, I think it was after the, it might have been after England's second game in the group stage, but uh, a German outlet called Elf Freunden or Eleven Freunde described uh, Calvin Phillips as before Marcelo Bielsa came in as an uber-wichtiger pub-fußballer, which is translated as an overweight pub-footballer, which I think was a bit harsh, Ooh. but yeah, um, and now looks rather foolish. But the I think the, um, the the sentiment is there that, you know, Marcelo Bielsa was able to transform uh, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of championship players into, I mean, in, in Calvin Phillips's case, um, you know, internationals. And who's to say that he couldn't do something similar with Jack Harrison if, you know, if and when, uh, when that um, when that deal gets completed. I mean, you think about what the, the potential could be on that left-hand side. You know, we, we've, we've championed um, Victor Orta's, you know, transfer negotiations over the past year or so, and rightly so. But think, uh, thinking about it, going into... Um, the going into next season with potentially a 15 million pound left back and and a 10 to 15 million pound left winger, you know, having an entire left hand side for less than what most clubs p- pay for a centre half or a backup defensive midfielder, that's I mean that's something which isn't very ordinary. That's that's kind of that's really shrewd shrewd business. You've got me thinking now. What if uh, what if Jack Harrison had been around 20 years ago when um, England were trying to fill their their left hand side with with players like Steve Guppy? and the like and, and shifting Paul Skulls out there Steve Guppy tremendous <laughs> just imagine because you know I, Nicky I don't think Barbie, Harris... Kieran Dyer yeah oh, it was just it, it was a woe just trying to pack all these players who didn't belong there but you know it wasn't too long ago and um, I don't know how far Harrison is off the England squad I mean obviously Leeds, uh, England sorry are really well stocked in those positions aren't they but you know who's, who's to say Uh Big year coming up for England next year. Obviously, it's the, it's the World Cup at the end of the year. So who's to say? You know, Harrison, he, he improves every season. So you never know, do you? Yeah, I was, I was quite interested to get your thoughts on it, actually, Mewis, because Joe and I discussed it earlier in the week on Facebook. And, you know, th- there is nothing to say. Well, none of us can predict the future. But, you know, I would not be surprised if in two or, yeah, say, three years, maybe even two years' time, people are saying mm. Jack Harrison should be getting in for a, a squad for a friendly or something and maybe making that breakthrough. I mean, 
I don't think he's, he's near it at the moment. I think that this, like you say, unfortunately for him, a bit like with Luke Ayling, there's just there's just too much quality in those positions. Mm. So it will be hard for him. But you know, if Bielsa does stick around for for several more years, I don't think anything's off the table. He is the kind of player you look at and think there is enough there where if it clicks, you could be incredible. You, know, you could yeah. be getting double figures, goals, double figures, assists. It's it's a bit similar to probably the conversations we had in 2019 about Ben White. You know, I think we were watching Ben White start his journey with Leeds in the Championship going, he could play for England, he could, and sort of chuckling away to ourselves, you know, while we're sat at Ashton Gate, wherever it was, watching Championship football. Um, but, you know, look, look what he's done. You know, it doesn't take, sometimes it doesn't take long to, to burst onto the scene, does it? No, exactly. And you, you, I mean, I'll, I'll always bring back to this statistic because it's it's now set in stone and it's that Jack Grealish was involved in 16 Premier League goals last season um, and so was Jack Harrison. No other English midfielder registered more goals and assists. And I think, Baron, you told me yesterday it was eight and eight. It was an even even split. And sometimes that's quite rare because, I mean, it is quite rare Um that you get a player who's just as good at scoring as he is at creating for others. Usually there's a little bit of a lean towards one or the other. Um, but I think with Harrison, especially last season, the positions he got himself into, you know, I think it was the was it the goal against Sheffield United where the ball is played across the box and he's just there to tap in. That's a really underrated skill in, in wide players um, because typically they're not they don't have that that striker's instinct, you know, that that Eddie and Ketia instinct to be in the right place at the right time whenever the ball is sort of in wide areas. Um, so I think there's yeah he he's he's definitely got the physical attributes the athleticism to 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 play at an international level I think there's no doubt in that you know Marcelo Bielsa is probably he's, he's kicked him on to to become uh, I mean an immense a, a middle distance athlete essentially um, but the the obviously it, it is the the Luke Ayling curse that the right back curse that. There are there are players like Phil Foden, Marcus Rashford, Bakayo Saka, you know Mason Mount, Jack Grealish. There's so many players who could play in that position, um, who at the moment are ahead of him in the pecking order, and it's hard to make a case for one of them to drop out, uh, or you know for, for Jack Harrison to play. Several of them have to drop out, um, but it's not impossible. I mean, we look at the case study of Deli Ali. You know, he was the golden boy at Euro 2016. He was the player who was going to play for England. He was going to be the first name on the team sheet for the next 10 years. And yet, rightly so, he's been nowhere near the, the England conversation this year because he just hasn't played enough football. On the flip side, Jack Harrison will be playing lots of football next season, as he has done over the past three years. And who's to say that, you know, maybe for a friendly, he couldn't be uh, couldn't be in the conversation. I think it's, it, it's, it's a very fair and valid argument. Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, we'll have to see how it goes for him. Um, like I say, that that should get confirmed and, and he'll be in place for pre-season, of course. He's had no international commitments. So he will get that full pre-season uh, with Bielsa, which we know is is so, so important. Um, I mean, away away from transfers, as we as we look to wrap things up, um, Radrazani, his latest interest, um, don't recall where we got to on the last, on the last podcast with it, but um, I know that June 25th was the supposed deadline for... Claudio Latito to uh, wash his hands of Salernitana because of the the clash with with Lazio, the the conflict of interests in Serie A. Um, as we understand it, you know via Google Translate, it would appear Salernitana have gone into this this trust mechanism, this third neutral third party. Although I've not seen anything today, but I think yesterday I was reading that even that is a little bit on shaky ground, and Latito may well have a an, an even shorter new deadline to, to actually kind of move away from that if it's not set up in the right way. But as I say, I'm not I'm not a legal expert, especially when it's written in Italian. So 
I think the bottom line is Rajasthani is not currently the owner of Slonatana. But interestingly, Sandro Menchucci, one of the, the the newest members of the the board at Leeds United, you know, proper fully fledged Leeds United representative, he broke cover, and I think in, in a true sign of where things are at in the negotiations, Rajasthani's clearly put him up to bat, and he's come out and actually spoken directly to I think if not one, then several. Italian newspapers and has actually done like a Q&A format and saying, you know, where things are at, this is what we want, this is why our offer's good. And I think that's that's the clearest sign yet that, you know, Rajasthani wants to get it done and Petito at that point wasn't playing ball and wanted to apply a bit of external pressure. So very interesting that manchucci has gone on the record with it. And I think that really does underline the interest that is there. And, and one of the things he said was that the bid is there, the bid will remain there beyond the 25th of June, beyond any... Um, arrangement with a trust until July the 3rd. So as we say, it's, it's June 30th today. So there is got July 31st and then three more. Sorry, um, is it July 1st tomorrow? Yeah, it must be. You two will correct me on that in a moment and laugh at my calendar skills. Um, no, you've nailed that, Baron. Don't you worry about that. So three three days from now, am I right? Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah, so in three days from now, if, if it is, as Menchucci says... Radzani will move away unless Latito does give it to him. And I think the reason they've done that, and quite fairly, is that you know Radzani does not want to wait the full six months that I'm led to believe Latito may have with a trust. You know, he doesn't want Salernitana to be rooted to the bottom of Serie A with a substandard, poorly invested squad um, in in six months' time. You know, he wants to get it now whilst he can actually affect change. And I completely get that. You know, right now. That's a very, very attractive asset. It's a newly promoted side that needs investment, investment that Rajasthani can apply. And if he does it now and quickly, they can get a squad together that will compete in Serie A. So I completely understand why he set that July 3rd deadline. And um, we'll have to wait and see. I'll tell you what, Baron, I could listen to you. I could listen to the music in your voice when you say Mencucci and, and Lotito all day long. That was some, <laughs> You might say you don't, you don't speak Italian, but you can definitely... Uh, you can definitely read it quite well. Too many Saturday mornings uh, spent watching Gazetta with uh, James Richardson. Oh, James Richardson, back in the day, yeah. Legend, yeah. absolute with legend. Those, with a little espresso. And, oh, brilliant. And, uh, Gazetta the pink, pink newspaper, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and always a delicious looking cake. Oh, oh. Living the dream, that man was. So good. Christian Vieri days. <laughs> halcyon, halcyon days. <laughs> Serie A in the, the turn of the century. Absolutely. Well, I think that just about covers everything that we were going to uh, to, to discuss on this week's episode of the Blue, White and Yellow. Um, do check out our previous episodes if you would like, um, but also get over to leeds-live.co.uk uh, for your latest on everything Leeds United. We'll be keeping you uh, up to date with everything that happens with transfers and contracts and whatnot, as well as the latest from the European Championships over the next few weeks. Um, thank you guys for, for joining me on this episode. Um, it's been It's been another strange one with no Connor here, but we all wish him well and, and hopefully he'll be back uh, uh, on hosting duties very soon yeah absolutely um yep hope to have him back soon but yeah thanks joe it's been a, been an absolute pleasure cheers fellas thank you very much for tuning in and listening to the blue white and yellow i've been joe donahue thanks bye for now <laughs>